0: David, who are you? Where did you grow up? What did your father do for a living? And how did, when was it that Cupid shot you in the chest and said, <laughs> you're going to work in the national park in a desert? I mean, take us through the journey.
1: Well, I, I grew up in, in Vista, which is northern San Diego County. And uh, my uh, aunt and uncle lived up in Anaheim. So they would take me camping out to different locations like Joshua Tree. Mm. So I started coming out here when I was about seven. And I love the sticky Rock you know, to be a I mean if you're a seven year old kid and you get a mm-hmm. chance to, to play in, you know, like God's own jungle gym, which is Joshua Tree, <laughs> it was a blast. <laughs> um, and then I, I went to, to call it. my dad's a, a house painter and, mm-hmm. you know, he was pretty cheap. So he <laughs> would take he would only go camping at places that didn't charge, which were most of the national parks <laughs> back then and and forest service sites. And so we'd go out and we'd go camping. But I went to school up at um, at Berkeley up near San Francisco mm-hmm. and got a degree in forestry. And I uh, just fell in love with the idea that I, I could get paid for, for you know, taking care of the people's land you know, in places like Joshua Tree or Sequoia oh. or Yosemite or Grand Canyon, and just you know, communicating with folks. So uh, I've been doing this now for about 30 years. Wow. And I, I wasn't sure, you know, I had been a bartender during college, which was fun, I loved talking to people, <laughs> I loved you know, engaging them in conversations. But uh, when I got out of college, my, my spouse and I, uh, we camped for about three or four months across the United States, and we discovered that the happiest people we were seeing were, um, were park rangers, and so we both decided to become park rangers.
0: So your wife is a park ranger, too?
1: Well, actually, husband. You know, this is, this is the 2020s. So, I uh, see. So we both started out in law enforcement, and then he continued to specialize in that, and I went the the interpretation route, which is the the folks that get a chance to talk to visitors at visitor centers and things like that. And, man, we've worked in, I think, about 10 different parks across the United States now over the last 30 years, and Uh our, our kids have had to move now. This is their fifth park, is Joshua Tree, so it's almost like being in the military. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I, I love Joshua Tree. I love being here. I love working with the people here. We're not going anywhere until we retire.
0: That's amazing. So I'm a surfer. Everybody always wants to ask me about why do you do this? There's a shark. You can, And to me, just to be in their house, in their ocean, they're not interested in biting me or, or attacking me. They're happy to share their world with, with, uh, with us. I would love to know did you have a close call with an animal that made you scared or have you never been scared to be in nature?
1: I mean, I think it's a, it's a human reaction when you, when you're coming down a trail and you're about to step on a, on a rattlesnake. I don't I don't know who's not scared when, Mm. when you're in that situation. And there've been a dozen times where, you know, I've been in a situation where I've surprised a a rattlesnake, but remember I'm 170 pounds. They're like Three pounds. Mm-hmm. They don't want to bite me. They want to stay away from me. Right. So they 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 remind us with that rattle. Which gosh, that that is a primordial kind of terror. Whenever you hear that rattle when you're yeah. out hiking, uh, to stay away. And I, I typically stay away. But that that's been the you know the biggest thing. I, a couple times I've had bears you know come through a campsite before uh, when I was working at higher elevations and other parks like like uh, Grand Canyon. Uh, but never been frightened by a mountain lion or anything like that i I do a lot of long distance running Mm -hmm. so on my my spare time i'll I'll go for you know 20 and 30 mile runs in the park and i'm usually by myself Mm. and man i i I always feel safe when i go out into a park now dr clapper please it it is it is the middle of summer i don't want anyone who's listening right now to think it's a good time to go for a 20 mile run inside of the park it's a lousy time right now you know stick to uh stick to the coast right now and come back when it's a little bit cooler
0: right Wow. No, you, I don't think anybody is taking that away from this conversation, so please don't worry. So I, like most people who visit the park, took a ton of pictures, thanks to Steve Jobs. We can do that now and <laughs> see them instantaneously. And of all the pictures, when I have, you know, like, like an elevator talk, I've just got like a minute to tell you, oh, you went to Joshua Tree, what it was like. There's one picture that I show them, if I'm going to be able to show them one picture And that is of this boulder that's probably 20 tons that I saw in between these two mountains Mm -hmm. that is wedged literally, if it's a giant cube, on the corner of the cube with nothing around it. It's like God took this (laughs) 20-ton boulder and just set it down and balanced it right there on the corner of the cube, and it doesn't fall over. To me is just shocking, the sculptural rock formations that you see. Do you have a favorite spot of a rock formation in Joshua Tree?
1: Well, I'll go back to my my childhood uh, when we used to camp up at Jumbo Rocks. There's a a big round rock that is wedged between um, two uh, 45-degree angle slices of rock it's mm. just sitting up there. It looks like a bowling ball mm. that, you know, someone has placed there, you know, a million years ago, and it's not going anywhere. And every time I walk around that campground, you know, I look at that, that big old ball sitting up there thinking, like, how did that get there? And we know, you know, during the, the last ice age when it was colder here and there was more soil, you know, a lot of these rocks just kind of rolled into place and the soil, you know, you know eroded away over the, the last 12,000 years and you know kind of place these rocks in where they are mm. so we, we know we can, scientifically we understand why they're there but when you're when you're sitting there or you're when you're hiking underneath it and you're thinking like oh my gosh i'm mm. i'm underneath a 20 ton rock right now yeah uh it is it is an overwhelming feeling
0: how about the birds tell us a little bit about the birds how do they survive in well, that condition
1: they're just they're amazing, amazing animals. There's a there's a golden eagle that hangs around my house. I live just on the the boundary of the park uh, in the, the town of Twenty Nine Palms, and just to watch this beautiful animal, this this twenty pound you know bird mm. perched on top of some creosote uh, that is able to survive here and is able to go up and just use the thermals that come up off the desert to soar until she finds you know a, a, a desert cottontail you know that's down below and snap it up and make it part of her diet that day.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's, it's these animals that are well adapted to this environment, animals that can seek shade when they need to during the daytime, uh, animals like, like the owls that come out at night and do their hunting, like the night hawks uh, hmm. during the evening hours, hmm. uh, you know, very, very specialized birds of prey that can...